For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Hey there, Mike Stelzner coming to you with a fascinating update you might not be familiar with. Did you know that Social Media Examiner can deliver all the marketing, training, news, and trends, insights that you need into your inbox three days a week when you sign up for our newsletter and it's completely free? Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates and take your marketing to the next level. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'll be joined by Paul Reitzer, and we're going to explore artificial intelligence and marketing and everything you as a marketer need to know. Now, trust me, this is going to be one of those seminal podcasts where you're going to say, all right, I am finally going to pay attention to AI and what it means for me as a marketer because this could be a radical game changer for you and for your business. By the way, if you want to reach me, tag me on Instagram at Stelzner or email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. And now for this week's brand new discovery. Helping you stay alive in the social jungle. Here is this week's survival tip. This week, I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What'd you find, Eric? All right. I need to give credit to Eric Ridenauer in the society, the Social Media Marketing Society. He posted this there and tagged me and told me, you've got to check this out. And boy, was he right. So what I found, what he found, what the other Eric found was emoji copy. And I've been interested in, you know, emoji apps in the past. This one is the end all emoji app. It is a web-based app. And the thing that sets this apart from all of them is not only the fact that you've got the search functionality and your favorites and all that kind of stuff, but the fact that I can either on my desktop or on my mobile phone tap as many of these emojis as I want to, and it stores them there in a single line of copy, and then I can hit copy and take all of them at once and then paste it. So you can create emoji sentences? Is that what I'm hearing you say? That's exactly right. Yeah. Instead of in the past where you'd find one and you'd say tap on one emoji and then have to go paste that over somewhere, with this, I can literally with my finger on my phone or my mouse on my desktop, click, okay, I want that one, that one, that one, that one, scroll, then that one and that one, copy, paste, boom. And you can save the, the string of them if you want to or no? Yeah, you can save it and then you can even send it off. So it's just, (laughs) this is emoji simplified. I wish that's what the name was, but it's actually called emoji copy. It sounds like, especially if you are, if you're replying to people and let's say you have like a string of celebration related emojis that you might want to just have quick access to, this would be a way of very easily 
getting them. Am I correct? That's exactly right. Yeah. Because then you've got the ability to get that string quickly to be able to just copy, paste, and boom, you're done. All with that celebration theme, like you just said. Perfect. Awesome. So is it free? Yeah, it's free. It's just a web app. You just go to emojicopy.com and boom, it's there. Awesome. Well, emojis we've been talking a lot about lately, but it is obviously a big part of a lot of people's marketing and it is a pain in the butt sometimes. (laughs) So this is just making it a little less painful. Thank you so much, Eric, for that new find. You're welcome. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. And now for my interview with Paul Reitzer. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Paul Reitzer. If you don't know who he is, he is an artificial intelligence expert and founder of PR2020 and host of the brand new Marketing AI podcast. He also founded the Marketing AI Institute and the Marketing AI Conference. Paul, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Looking forward to the conversation. I am too. Today, we're going to talk about AI and marketing and really what does it all mean for marketers because it is, frankly, very confusing for most of us. But Paul, before we go there, let's talk about your backstory. Like, How in the world did you get here? Start wherever you want to start. Yeah, I, I usually start with IBM Watson winning on Jeopardy in 2011. So I don't know if you remember that, but you know when it was what February, March 2011, Watson defeated Ken Jennings and Brad Rutter, two of the the best champions Jeopardy's ever seen, and that happened right as I was uh, starting the manuscript for my first book. So when I finished the manuscript, I out of curiosity, started trying to figure out what exactly is that technology and can it eventually have application in marketing? And then I realized, okay, it's artificial intelligence, whatever that is, and natural language processing, whatever that is. And it just started me down this path. And I, the, one of the first things I did was read a book called Automate This by Christopher Steiner. And he talked about the disruption of all these different industries with intelligent algorithms, meaning they were taking artificial intelligence and rather than just humans writing all these rules of what to do, which is what the vast majority of marketing software is, humans writing rules telling it what to do, the machine could learn on its own and make better predictions and evolve itself. And so in 2012, I just looked out and said, wow, it's only a matter of time until that gets applied to marketing and sales. And that then I just started down this path to discover what really is it and how eventually will it transform marketing. So what were you doing back then? Were you working in corporate America? Or were you on your own? No, I had my agency. So I started PR 2020 in 2005. I came out of college, out of Ohio University through the journalism school. So my major was public relations, but then specialization in business and marketing. And I just spent the early part of my career in agencies. So I worked at another agency for five and a half years, and then I started my own. So 2012, I was seven years into owning my agency. We were HubSpot's first partner agency. So in 07, we started working with HubSpot, and they then built the partner program around our model. And so we were really 
kind of at the forefront of marketing automation space and what was possible with technology as of 2012. And so it was kind of natural for me to look out and say, okay, what's going to be next and how will marketing automation that we were using then evolve? And what I quickly realized is the marketing technology that was being funded with billions of dollars at the time in terms of Marketo, Pardot, Eloqua, all the names we all know was elementary in terms of what was going to come next. It was it was literally human-driven automation. And I, at that time, was saying, okay, this is not the future, that the machines, based on everything I'm seeing, will be able to learn and adapt and improve all these things that we're relying on humans to do right now. When did you start the Marketing AI Institute? 2016. So what transpired was in 2014, I wrote my second book called The Marketing Performance Blueprint. And that book looked at all these organizations were struggling to achieve their performance goals. And so we identified three major gaps that existed, talent, tech, and strategy. So the basic premise was if you didn't have the right people and you didn't have the right technology, you couldn't build the optimal strategy to achieve your goals. And in the technology section, I did about a 700 to 1,000 word piece on automation in the future of intelligent automation. And what if Watson was applied to marketing? And that became the thing that everyone wanted me to speak about. So over this whole book, everyone kind of focused on that 1,000 words out of the 50,000 words. And I started doing all these talks. And so I spoke at South by Southwest in 2015 on this like origins of the marketing intelligence engine was the talk. So it was really theory based at the time. It was, I know the text there, but no one's doing this yet. And we looked in 2015 at actually starting a software company to build an intelligence engine to automate marketing strategy. And then in 2016, I kind of came to the realization that I wasn't, I wasn't the right person to, to try and do that. It was going to take 10 years and probably a billion dollars. And I didn't know if it was going to work or not because it's a complex thing we were thinking of solving. And so we figured, well, we're more, we're largely a content marketing agency, PR 2020 is. So I said, we're more qualified to tell the story of AI, to help it, to help other marketers understand it, make sense of it and apply it. So let's just start there. And so the Institute was literally just a blog powered by PR 2020. And it wasn't until January of 2019 that I split it off into its own company and the marketing AI conference became, you know, the cornerstone of that entity. Excellent. All right. Well, that brings us to the present and particularly a lot of marketers don't really know what the the business case is or the why of artificial intelligence. So before we get into what it is, let's talk about why everybody ought to pay attention to it. So first, it's going to have trillions of dollars in annual impact on businesses. And as you said, most people have no clue what it is or how it works. The more tangible thing for me to explain it is you literally use AI dozens of times every day as a consumer. So whether it's Netflix recommending a show to you, Google Maps rerouting you around an accident, Gmail finishing your sentences, Amazon predicting what you're going to buy, like just go on and on and on. So in your life, AI is making your life better. It's making it more convenient. It's personalizing things for you. The same thing is happening in marketing and sales. And there's a pretty good chance that you haven't stopped and said, thank God for machine learning when it reroutes you around an accident. You don't think about AI doing these things. 
So in marketing and sales, the same thing's going to occur. The software is just going to get smarter. You're going to be able to personalize things and do things at scale you couldn't before. A lot of marketers are going to sit back and in three years think, wow, the software is way better than it was. Then there's going to be a segment of marketers who understand the potential of a more intelligent software, and they're going to go find those tools today and get a multi-year head start on their peers who are still afraid of the topic because, as you said in the open, it's abstract. It's overwhelming to think about AI and try and understand it. So from my perspective, I think that the why of AI I think of it kind of the same way I think of virtual reality versus augmented reality. So those that are familiar with virtual reality, it's fully immersive, typically animated and fake looking. But augmented reality is like a layer on top of the real world. And it assists you in a functional way that provides value to you. Like I've got a heads up display on my car. That is technically augmented reality. It's telling me I've got to take a right turn in 500 feet without looking out the window or looking to the side. So I think that If this is true for marketers, if AI can help us make better marketing decisions, right? Or if it can help the customer make a better decision, then that's a big deal for a lot of marketers, right? It's huge. Yeah, it'll it'll make your career more enjoyable. It should make brands, give brands the ability to personalize at a scale that literally isn't possible with human-only powered marketing. And on the consumer side, it should make everything more personalized for them. Now, there are dark sides to it and there are give and take, you know, you give up data and privacy in exchange for personalization. But I think we've been conditioned for that for the last decade as consumers. And so there's the why varies based on who you're looking at. If this, you're the marketer, the why is it's going to transform everything. <laughs> like whether you want it to or not, it's going to change the way you do your job and it's going to open up new career paths. So you have to understand it as a brand If you don't find smarter ways to do your marketing, your competitors will, and they'll leave you in the dust. Right. And then as a consumer, you start to look differently at how you're being marketed to, and you start to expect a certain level of personalization, even in a B2B environment. You just, you get frustrated if the experience isn't as seamless or as frictionless as it is when you're buying from Amazon or going to Netflix or doing these things where you've gotten used to this convenience. So now that we've kind of explored some of the why, behind it. Let's talk about like what it is from a marketing perspective. Like what do marketers need to know about what it is and maybe a little bit about how it works. I don't even think we really need to understand technically how it works. I think we just need to understand like what is it we're dealing with here. No, you don't need to get into like what is a neural net and how does it actually get trained? Like that's like 1% of marketers are ever going to care about the fundamentals behind how machine learning and deep learning actually work. What you need to know is machines, software are stupid. Machine doesn't inherently know anything. It can't see, it can't hear, it can't understand, it can't speak. So AI is this kind of umbrella term of making machines smarter, giving them human-like capabilities. So if you think about when you talk to Alexa or Suri or any of your voice assistants, it doesn't understand anything out of the box. It's been trained to hear human language, understand what it's saying, process it, generate a response, figure out the best response to give you to your question or your query. So all of that is AI. It's being given these human-like capabilities. The primary subset of AI is what's called machine learning. And in the simplest terms, it's making predictions about future outcomes based on historical data. Now, that's not that difference from data science. I mean, data science has been doing that for decades. 
But the key with machine learning is it gets smarter and it learns as new data becomes available. So the example of Google Maps, there's no one at Google typing in directions to reroute you around an accident. They're not looking at data and saying, "Uh uh-oh, Mike better go around here. It's taking all this data in from all these drivers and all these data points, and it's predicting a better path is to get off at this exit and then get back on in three miles. So it's simply making predictions. And when you start boiling your career down, your daily tasks down to, am I trying to predict something? You'll realize that you actually are trying to make dozens of predictions every day. And every single one of those is an instance where machine learning could be applied. Well, yeah, if we think about the job of almost any marketer, right? They're trying to create a message that is going to hopefully cause a person to take an action, right? I mean, that's that's the goal of almost everything, right? So if we start thinking about this, like in an ideal world, there was like an ad that I could insert into an AI system and it would pump out more likely variations. Like it would look at the language and say, hey, avoid this word, try this word based on all of its AI knowledge. That would be very valuable to me because I might have to run a month worth of split tests to get that data and I may never get there, right? Yeah, absolutely. And if you if you think, you know, you kind of carry that through on this, the social media pro side, And you think about what you're going to write, when you're going to publish it, which channel it's going to go in, how much money you should put behind advertising of it, which colors you should use, which image, which hashtag, who you should tag. Like you're every one of those things, you're trying to make the prediction at the end, like you just said, of a human behavior. What are they going to click on? What is going to cause them to buy? What is going to cause them to go to the next page? And so, again, we're not as marketers trained to think about what we do as predicting things, but that's basically what we do. Even in the example of like now where Gmail finishes your sentences, what they're actually trying to do is predict the next word in a sentence. So when you break down this whole thing, or even Tesla trying to build autonomous vehicles, they're just trying to predict what a good human driver would do. Like all their complexities aside, that's the prediction they're trying to make. Awesome. Okay. So now that we've talked about the why and the what, um, let's talk about some practical applications of how we could as marketers or social marketers, you know, begin to actually benefit from AI? So I, I think, you know, when you're a big enterprise, the world is yours. So there's literally, you know, there's an application being built for almost anything. And if you have unlimited data and unlimited budgets, then go to work. If you're in the SMB market, which I know a lot of your listeners are kind of more in that range, then you might have to dig a little harder. But you start to look at use cases where almost every business could be using AI. And I'll give you a few examples. So chatbots. Whether it's customer service related or people asking sales related questions to find chatbots that you're not programming all the branching logic. And this is a key distinction. Some people think it says the word bot in it. It must be AI. It's not. Most chatbots on the market today are actually human powered branching logic. So you get this machine, you tell it all these if then statements, and then it just spits that stuff out. Having done that, I can tell you that's a nightmare. (laughs) Yeah, it's brutal. It's like setting up an email workflow for 100,000 people in an automation tool. Like it's just, it's overwhelming for the human mind to try and process. Or it's just like those telephone systems push one, push two, push three, right? I mean, and that's pretty much the same thing, right? Push this button, this button, or this button, right? We live in a world of branching logic for marketers. So AI tries to get rid of the need for humans to set all the rules and maintain and update those rules. So you want to look for a chatbot technology that has AI-powered capabilities within it. And so, you know, again, it's if this is the first time people are hearing about this stuff, that 
that may be a very abstract statement to you, but it basically means you have to ask them questions about how they're using AI and machine learning to make things more efficient for you. Is this where uh, natural language processing is that is that fall yeah, under this? So natural language processing would be understanding the question that's typed in. So that that would be an example of how you would use natural language, which what you'll find out it's kind of like astronomy, where astronomers tend to just name things very literally. That's actually what's happened in AI. Natural language processing literally means taking in natural language, human language, processing what it means. <laughs> natural language generation is generating human language. So there's very literal once you kind of get rid of all the absurdity around the definitions. So that would be one. Machine learning would be another application that could be used in chatbot technology. So if the chatbot surfaces five or 10 or 500 recommendations, it learns which ones are helpful to people and which aren't, and it adapts its recommendations based on that information Got rather it. than you having to go in and change a rule because you don't think people are clicking on it. And I should disclose, because I'm pretty familiar with the major providers of chatbots today, that most of them do not offer what what Paul's talking about here. So it's coming, you know? Yes. It's not and there it's, yet. It is in there. And some of them do have it in their more of their enterprise features. Right. Um, so as a small business, you may not, like if you don't have a chatbot, get a chatbot. Either way, even if you're powering the branching logic, everyone should probably be considering having a chatbot regardless. Right. But the AI powered is becoming more readily available and more affordable. Okay, crazy question. If we think about what, the vision of a chatbot is right where it's smart enough to know what is being asked and smart enough to know how to answer it. Is there any reason that could not also be applied to email responses? Uh, it can, and it is. That's actually a pretty common use case I've seen is companies that are building technology to automate responses to the sales process or customer so service inquiries and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, good. So we've talked about chatbots as one way that a marketer can potentially, you know, an a practical application. What are some other ways? Ch content strategy. You see a lot of a lot of venture capital, a lot of money going in that area because the traditional way of trying to predict what should I write about, what keywords should I use, how many times should I publish different things, that again all comes down to making predictions. And so you're seeing a lot of companies that are building individual tools to do that and a lot of platforms that are making a play in that space. So like HubSpot, I mentioned we were HubSpot partners, so I have pretty intimate knowledge of what they're doing. That was one of their first public plays with machine learning was using their content strategy tool to do content clustering. So you put in a word and not only does it recommend other topics, it'll actually find the pages on your site that are already related to that topic and surface them for you and say, it looks like these five pages are related to that. So it's, again, as a marketer, you may have been using that tool for the last six months and not known or cared that machine learning was powering it, but it probably made your content strategy a little better. And that's what's going to happen with a lot of these is the tools you already have may just get smarter or you can go look for AI-powered content strategy and you'll get a dozen vendors. And today, I know that there are consultants who will look at multiple data sets, like publicly accessible data, like at what time of the year do people search for certain kinds of things, right? And then can connect data together and kind of tell you, okay, if you are in the business of selling tennis shoes, then this is when you need your content strategy to be on full alert. I don't know. I mean, I'm just assuming. Right. But eventually, I'd imagine that'll be completely done by AI. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, and updating it in real time based on opportunities. You could think about getting in in the morning and getting an alert, not just with here's 10 links that are relevant, but 
you should write a post about this today for this reason. Here's the keywords you should start with. <laughs> and then in theory, if you're building it in Google within the next 12 to 18 months, it'll start writing paragraphs for you. So this um, is going to replace a lot of consultants down the road, isn't it? Uh, but they could make a very nice living consulting with companies how to use AI to do content strategy. It I is, see. Got it. it. It is a massive market opportunity. It, I couldn't tell you five agencies in the world that are capable of doing it. Most of them won't touch anything under million-dollar consulting deals. Now, I don't know if this is on your list, but I want to throw this out there because we, we we have this tool, tool of the week segment with Eric Fisher. And we, he's been seeing a lot of AI-powered image enhancement tools. Like, for example, the ability to use AI to take someone out of the background or to remove something that like a bird that flew into the background, that kind of stuff. That is AI, right? The ability to kind of like with the click of a button enhance a picture? Yes. Yep. Yeah, and there's actually some free tools that have come out where, like, I used one for my presentation at Marketing AI Conference where I took my daughter's drawing and I converted it into a Pegaso in, like, right. 30 seconds. Right. So it, it's a model trained to turn drawings into famous paintings. Yeah, one that went viral, FaceApp, right, that yeah, made you look yeah. younger or older. I mean, that's AI, isn't it? It is absolutely AI. And it's also a very sinister way to get lots of data to predict what people will look like when they're older. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And there's that whole sinister side of it, which we're not going to go down that road today. (laughs) But it is fascinating, right? Just to think like, imagine if cops could use this. videos is another one. Yeah. But imagine if a police officer had a picture of someone who it was a 10 year old photograph, they could potentially use AI to age the person to look to to predict the likelihood that this person what this looks like today, I would imagine, right? And that is being used very high confidence level. I could tell you that is being used by the Department of Defense and other institutions. Wow. Any other common ways that marketers could benefit from AI? Because I'm even thinking just on automatic ad placements on Facebook and Google. Social ads is a huge one. I mean, honestly, if you think about it, if you've ever taken Facebook, if you manage a Facebook page, you'll see that you want to run this ad thing. And it's got the image, it's got the text in it. Right. And if you do that, you just used AI to create a Facebook ad because there's no one at Facebook creating that ad. Right. Their AI is generating a recommended ad to you that it thinks will do well. Perfect. Any other examples before we get into some of the tools? Another big one, especially for you know small business, if like franchises would be huge, social media monitoring and reviews, like reviews play such a huge role in search. Mm. And historically, that's been a really time consuming thing. And especially if you want to get into sentiment analysis and prioritization of which ones to respond to, that's definitely one. And again, I could give vendor names, but you could literally just pick a use case and say AI powered social monitoring tool or AI powered social ads. You're going to find vendors, and that's the best way to shop for AI is to look at very narrow, specific use cases because that's what it's trained to do is narrow, specific tasks. Okay, I got a related question. A lot of people are going to claim that they leverage AI. How do we discern whether it's true or not? Uh, That is a great question, and it's a major problem in the industry and something I've been actually thinking about a lot for the last couple of years. Once you like, let's say you do AI powered social ads and you find five vendors and you go to their sites and it all says they use AI and machine learning and deep learning and we use neural nets and it all sounds the same. It's not all equal. And so you do need to be able to ask some pointed questions about how exactly is it used in the process? How does it make me more efficient? I spend, you know, I would give them 
challenge is the, the salespeople selling the technology aren't actually good at answering this question because right. they don't understand it. So the best case is ask them very understandable things. Like I spend 20 hours a month doing this. Here is our process. How will your technology make that smarter, make it more efficient? So again, you don't care what type of machine learning model they're running or how the neural net works. You know how much time and money you spend on something and you want to find a smarter way to do it. Right. And that, that's probably the best way to approach it and then have them do demos and you know walkthroughs and find the people who can actually explain it to you. Because if the salesperson struggles to explain machine learning to you, there's a pretty good chance their organization isn't that invested in it yet because they would have trained the marketing and salespeople properly if they were. Excellent. I would love to dig in. I know you've got you've got a whole bunch of tools that we're going to talk about. So let's 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 dig into some of these tools. Start wherever you want to start because I think a lot of people probably are like me. And first of all, they're not even aware if they're using <laughs> I'm guessing most people listening right now have no clue whether the tools that they use are leveraging any kind of AI. And frankly, most of us are not using any tools at all outside of the ads platforms, Google Analytics, and and maybe email, you know, and yep. maybe a bot. Um, yep. So, like, what are some of these tools that, quote unquote, bolt on or interface with some of these other things that we're doing? Because I frankly don't think most people have any clue where to find these yeah. things. Yeah, you definitely start, no matter who you are. I would start with your CRM and automation platform. Like if you're using one of the major ones, there's a really good chance they have features that maybe you haven't turned on yet, or they have features that are using AI in some capacity and you may not know it yet. So the most efficient way to think about this stuff is always to start with the tech you already have. Again, like say you're, you're a Drift user and you use Chatbot on Drift. Drift's basic entry-level solution does not have AI in it. But they have a, a further up the chain in the price chart, there is a function within it. So I would start with the platforms and then look and see, is, are there solutions available within it? Because it's going to be the most efficient way to do it. And tell everybody what Drift does if they're not familiar with it. Drift is chatbot, largely. So it enables you to do conversational marketing. That's kind of become the industry category is conversational. So you have like Conversica and Drift and Live Person would be another big player in there. HubSpot has their own chatbot builder. So almost every major tech company is, is integrating chat in some way. And the platform companies are either building their own or you can integrate a third-party chat. Bot. And we probably should say that most of the Drift example is mostly like on your sales page or on your website. It's not like many of my audience think of messenger bots when they think of this, but that's not sure. necessarily what you're talking about, right? You're talking about more of a customer service sales kind of tool that would live on the sales page or on the customer service page, right? Correct. Yep. So that would be one that we talked about social monitoring views. Yext would be a player in that space. Tell us more about what they, what they do with AI, if, you, if you're familiar. Yeah. So Yext, like when you're doing social media monitoring and reviews, they're able to process vast amounts of information, understand what's being said within it, and then use different models to prioritize what you should respond to. And Yext is a publicly traded company. The other thing they enable is they're the primary provider of data, uh, business data to Alexa. So if you were to ask Alexa a query about, hey, what are the business hours of this local organization? Yext is the one that powers those listings. So business listings was kind of the origin of that business model. Hmm. And that's a really important thing to think about, though. No matter the size of your business, you have to think about how much 
voice search is impacting the way consumers search for and find information and make buying decisions. And in the future, in the very near future, we're not going to be thinking about search as the 10 blue links on a page. We're going to be thinking about it as what's the one response Google Assistant or Alexa or Surrey gave to me when I asked a question. And so as a business, you have to think about the structure of your data. It could be um, your hours, your promotions. It could be events you're holding. It could be your staff, like anything that's a data structure, like a knowledge graph. That's what Yext actually powers is it takes your data and puts it into a knowledge graph that's more discoverable in voice search. Okay. So, little question on Yext. Do people need to have an account or does it just scrape that stuff off your website or how does it get that? Yext you would need an account for. It's Got a it. SaaS product. Got it. So it's mostly for local businesses though, right? Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. I mean, they work with big franchises where it's, you know, thousands, but they have a, I haven't looked at their pricing recently, but I know at one point we were paying like 250 a month, I want to say. So Got it was, it. you know, manageable depending on the size of your business. And there, I'm sure there was smaller versions of that. Right. But we would actually, as an agency, be a part of the partner program. We would get the license and then we could put, say, 10 clients on that license or something like that or 10 locations. What about, crazy question, what about like email platforms? Like I use Drip. Many other people might use like, I mean, I don't know who the big ones are these days anymore, but like, are you finding- MailChimp. E- yeah, MailChimp. I mean, are, is AI coming to those platforms or yes. is it- It is. Okay. Yeah. Is yeah. it there yet or no? Yeah. Some of them like MailChimp, I know, I don't know in depth what they're doing, but if you start thinking about email specifically, again, talk about prediction. So you're doing list segmentation. What's the best list to send to? You're trying to predict fatigue. You're trying to predict when to send. And in a perfect world- you shouldn't send emails based only on time zone. Because mm-hmm. even if I know you're on the West Coast, I'm on the East Coast, it can learn. Like if I've sent you 100 emails, the machine would know when you've opened those 100 emails and when you've clicked on them. And it may learn that you tend to open all your emails on Saturday nights. So why would it send you at 3 p.m. on a Thursday when it learned that Mike likes Saturday nights at 10 p.m.? Ah, so optimized sending is what you're saying, something along those lines. Individualized sending to hundreds of thousands of contacts. Wow. That's the dream of email, right? I mean, it's predicting when you're going to open. Right. Got it. That's Um, amazing. The other thing is actually, so there's rasa.io is one that we've been talking with lately. We're not using it yet, but I, I love the concept of what they're doing. Theirs is automated, personalized content in the newsletter. So every newsletter in theory, not only is sent at a prioritized time for you, but it learns which links you click on and it eventually starts adapting the links it includes in your newsletter may be different from my newsletter. Wow. That's R-O-S-A dot R-A-S-A dot I-O. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause right now, like you can kind of with tagging, you know, you can kind of like Jerry rig, like at least I know I can in drip. Like I can say, okay, if they have a score for this topic of this and insert this paragraph, but it gets really kludgy and it's like almost like programming and it's a nightmare. <laughs> well, it, it, again, it goes back to you're living in this world of branching logic. Right. And so you have to envision all the things to create. You have to create all these things. And then the biggest thing for me is always like the management of. So you can get into all these mind mapping technologies you want. At the end of the day, it's it's literally impossible for a marketer to think about these things and then continually improve them. Awesome. Okay. So any other kind of tools that we ought to be looking for? Uh, Pattern 89 for social ads is one that, again, kind of recently surfaced. We had 
Uh, RJ Talier, the CEO, spoke at the conference. I was really familiar with RJ. I was really impressed with their approach to AI. So I haven't used theirs, but theirs is designed to optimize, use AI to optimize social advertising. So talk to us about that work. Yeah. So you're looking at optimizing the creative you're using, bid management, budget management, channel management. So like, let's say you're spending $2,000 a month on ads or 5000 whatever it may be. Again, if you're doing it like most marketers, you're create doing the creative, you're uploading the creative, you're picking budgets by channel. I'm going to put, you know, 20% on Facebook and 50% on YouTube and 30% over here. And then you're having to monitor and manage that. And so maybe it's once a week or maybe it's once a day. I don't know how often you're checking in to see how things are going. And as this starts scaling, you have more complexity. Well, that's a perfect thing for machine learning to get applied to. Because again, it's taking in all the performance data. It knows which creative are working best. It knows which channels are working best. And it's simply making predictions to you about, I would shut off these five campaigns because they're not working. Hmm. These ones are, we we would, you know, the system would recommend allocate budget here. It's an assistant. You get to make the final decision. You're you're saying, okay, yeah, I agree. That's really smart. Let's do that. And you click a button and it can do it for you or you can go in and do it. But Again, in in the vast majority of instances, the machine isn't actually making decisions. The machine is making a prediction, which becomes a recommendation to you, the human, to decide what to do with it. A lot of people right now are freaking out about what you just said and find it very (laughs) fascinating because it's like, you know, so many people in this audience are running Facebook ads and they are, they either have like we do full-time staff managing the ads or they've got consultants that they're paying a lot of money for. And those people are like, you know, not, they've got lots of clients, right? And the idea that there is an AI system, quote unquote, that could tap into uh, your campaigns and give you intelligent analysis. That's cool. And I would imagine if Facebook and Google are smart, they're going to start making recommendations also, aren't they? Yeah. If you, so if you want to see what's probably to come, if you go into Google analytics, there's that little thing in the top right corner that gives you little alerts. Yes. Like the insights that thing. That weird little simple thing. Yeah. Yeah. Click on it. What it's doing is it's looking for anomalies and predicting that that anomaly would be interesting to you. Hmm. The key to understand how it, how machine learning element comes into this though, is when you get through that insight, it says, was this helpful? Yes, no. Every time you click yes, you've just trained the machine learning model to find more anomalies like that one. So you can apply that to anything, whether it's your media buying or anything within your analytics or performance. I've often said, like, people always ask me, like, what's the first roles that are just done? And I tend to prefer to talk about tasks and activities within roles. I'm not a big one believing that machines are going to just take over jobs in the near future, but media buying would be at the top of my list. If I was making a list of actual jobs that are going to get disrupted and that's across any type of digital media buying, because it's just, it is a, every piece of that is a prediction. Absolutely. That's insane. Okay. So we've talked about Drift, Yext, Rasa, Pattern 89, any other tools that you would want to recommend before I ask you where in the world can we find like a resource for, you know, finding these tools? Yeah. Perseido is really interesting. They just made a a big deal with Chase Bank, JP Morgan Chase, to create content that started as creating content for social ads. And it's now expanding across other channels. They're using their natural language processing and generation technology to to create, to create copy. content. Wow. Yeah. A lot of community I, managers freak out about that. <laughs> yeah. That one is like the, the media loves that headline that the AI is going to start writing for us. 
And honestly, like I've been following very closely since 2015 on that one. That was my, one of my original use cases was writing blog posts with AI. There's been some leaps forward, specifically something called GPT-2, massive leaps forward in the last like four months. But I don't think it's actually anywhere close to being a major disruptive force to creative writing. It is if if you write formulaic data driven content, whether it's financial reports, um, fantasy sports stories, election coverage, Olympics coverage, whatever, anything that is data driven and formulaic, I could train a machine. We, we use software to do this for our analytics reports. I could train a machine in two hours to do that at scale, writing product uh, descriptions for e-commerce sites. And that's not even AI. It's just formulaic writing. And that's a major disruptive force that most people don't even know exists. That tool that you mentioned was automated insights is the one we use. No, no, I'm sorry. The one Persuado or something. Is that what it was? Persado. How do you spell that? P-E-R-S-A-D-O. Perfect. Um, And then another one in the same genre that's doing it for email uh, subject lines is Phrasey, and that's P-H-R-A-S-E-E. So there's they need like 100,000 emails for the machine to learn from, but then the machine will actually start writing email subject lines. So you create the email body. It then kind of functions like an editor. It looks at that content and generates uh, email subject lines that it claims outperforms humans 98% of the time. <laughs> based on open rates or something? Is that what they're trying to do? Yeah, they're wow. looking at engagement metrics. That's crazy. Okay, yeah. is there a resource or a directory or something where we can find these things? Or do you guys maybe have that on your website? Like, how, Yeah. Because there's like, we're just scratching the surface, right, Paul? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We track about 1,200 of these companies and we've profiled about 55 of them. So we do these spotlights where we ask them the same eight questions. So we've done about 55 to 60 of those. And then we put them all into a like a starter's guide so people can kind of see them all together. So marketingaiinstitute.com is the main site and you can get to all the resources through there. We have a, a beginner's guide and then we have a buyer's guide that's guide.marketingaiinstitute.com. Perfect. There's a lot of people right now whose eyes have been open to a future that they never thought was possible, which is that there could be tools that can make their job easier, smarter, better, faster, you know, all that fun stuff. And there's going to be people that want to like dig into this. If people want to learn more about marketing AI, other than checking out your podcast, mm-hmm. what do you recommend? I mean, do you guys, t- do you publish stuff like this all the time on your website? Yeah. So we have a newsletter that comes out Tuesdays and Thursdays and it curates kind of the best of from around the web. And then it also usually has, we publish about five to seven original articles a week on our site. And so we try and kind of just make AI approachable and actual. That's our mission. And so it's primarily carried out through that newsletter, through some additional kind of long form resources, and then through the conference, which is annually in July. Paul, I could talk to you for another hour on this. <laughs> I mean, it's really amazing and fascinating. If people want to discover more about you or reach out to you directly, where do you want to send them? Yeah, uh, Twitter is a great way to engage. Twitter and LinkedIn are kind of the two social platforms that I use most. And it's just at Paul Reitzer, which is R-O-E-T-Z-E-R. Uh, and then the same on LinkedIn. So those would be the two best. And if you do LinkedIn, just mention that you heard me on this podcast and I'll be sure to reply. I'm pretty good about replying to LinkedIn messages. Paul Reitzer, thank you so much for uh, opening my eyes to the fascinating opportunities that are present with AI and marketing. Yeah, we can do it again in another year and the whole thing will probably have changed. So we'll talk again. I might take you up on that. Thanks again. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Mike. And I know a bunch of tools were mentioned in today's episode. 
and we take all the notes for you. Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 370. And by the way, if you're on an Apple podcast app, you can just kind of scroll up and all those links are right there in the notes, kind of hidden. I didn't know they were there and you probably don't know they're there, but they're there. Socialmediaexaminer.com again slash 370. That'll get you to all of the links we talked about. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.